Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. I became the campus minister at Florida State University in 2003, and not long after that, I met a student at the University of Florida Wesley Foundation named Josh Bell. And if that's not proof of God's grace that a Seminole and a Gator can become friends, (laughs) what is? Uh, Josh and I have been friends now for a long time. Josh is our guest preacher today. Josh is an ordained United Methodist pastor currently serving as the executive director of the One Orlando Alliance, which is an LGBTQ plus coalition of over 40 service-based organizations that provide LGBTQ plus specific programs to our community. Their goal is to create a safe, welcoming, and inclusive community for all people. We welcome Josh. We're privileged to have him with us today. We help me welcome him to the pulpit. Wow. 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 It's good to be here today. And I told Vance earlier that um, there's a lot of emotion for me being in this space um, for a lot of different reasons. But one of them is the last time I preached from a pulpit in a church was last October, which was National Coming Out Day. And I was at a church and I shared that I'm a gay man. Um, And that was the first time I had shared that from a pulpit. And now I'm professionally gay. They pay me. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but it worked out for me okay. So today I get the privilege and the honor of being with you to share at this painful moment in our season of remembrance as we reflect on this five-year milestone, but we also reflect on the reality that for so many of us, whether um, we're members of the LGBTQ plus community or even just regular old people, that For many of us, faith and our understanding of who we are in the context of a relationship with God can be a very painful thing, right? So if you are here in this space today and that's a little bit of your story, I want you to know that you're not alone. And if you're watching us online, I have no clue where the camera is, Um, but You are not alone. And so I'm grateful for this opportunity to share with you a little bit from Mark's gospel. Um, I think of Mark's gospel as the Cliff Notes gospel because it's short and it's to the point and it's actually today's lectionary. And when I was invited today, I was like, well, let's see what the lectionary says. Oh, oh, okay. That's where we're going today. So buckle up. We're in Mark chapter 3 verses 20 through 35, and so I'm going to share this with you here. This is from the Common English uh, Translation. Jesus went back home 
and once again such a large crowd gathered that there was no chance even to eat. When Jesus' family heard what he was doing, they thought he was crazy and went to get him under control. Some teachers of the law of Moses came from Jerusalem and said, This man is under the power of Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. He is even forcing out demons with the help of Beelzebub. Jesus told the people to gather around him. Then he spoke to them in riddles and said, How can Satan force himself out? A nation whose people fight each other won't last very long, and a family that fights won't last long either. So if Satan fights against himself, that will be the end of him. How can anyone break into the house of a strong man and steal his things unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can take everything. I promise you that any of the sinful things you say or do can be forgiven, no matter how terrible those things are. But if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you can never be forgiven. That sin will be held against you forever. Jesus said this because the people were saying that he had an evil spirit in him. Jesus' mother and brothers came and stood outside, then they sent someone with a message for him to come out to them. The crowd sitting around Jesus told him, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside and want to see you. And Jesus asked, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then he looked at the people sitting around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who obeys God is my brother or sister or mother. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been called demonic? Have you ever had someone, maybe even someone you love, look at you and say, you are under the influence of Satan? That's what happens to Jesus in this passage. In this passage of scripture, Jesus comes home. I love the way that the common English version says that. He comes home, a place where you're supposed to be loved, a place where you're supposed to be understood, a place where you're supposed to be able to be your full self. And he has this experience where the religious leaders come from Jerusalem the ones who earlier in Mark have already decided that they're going to try and figure out a way to kill him. And they come to him and they say, the things that you're doing, these miracles that you're working, are clearly not of God. They must be of the devil. You are possessed by Beelzebub, which is probably my favorite name for... I don't have a favorite name for the devil, but it's fun to say. Beelzebub, right? They look at him and say, not only do we disagree with you, not only can we not see things from your perspective, you're possessed by the devil. In this passage of scripture, there's so much. There's so much. And I know I've only got three hours, right? (laughs) So, like, we'll still make it to a really late brunch. Okay, and brunch is so important. In this passage of scripture, Jesus draws a crowd by being himself. This is what he does over and over again. He draws a crowd by being himself, by showing up and loving people well, 
by showing up and healing the hurting, by showing up and showing acceptance to the rejected, Jesus shows up and people are so thirsty for who Jesus is and how Jesus is with them that they just crowd in. That happens over and over and over again with Jesus. In, in fact, in earlier passages, it talks about, hey, Jesus says to his disciples, you need to have a boat ready because these people are going to crowd in. We need to be able to, like, scoot out, okay? It's like a getaway boat in a very gracious way, right? But the crowd is so big that they can't even eat. And that, my friends, is quite the sin right? Like, if we're not eating, like, come on, right? And it's interesting when you look at the scripture, Jesus's family decides to go get him because they think he's crazy right after it says he, he's not eating. And it's like, honey, you need to eat something. Clearly, you're overwrought. Let's go get you. Let's go bring you home. Jesus's family in this passage of scripture doesn't understand what's going on. They don't get it. They think he's crazy. So not only has Jesus come to a place where he should be accepted and loved and welcomed and understood, the religious leaders say he's possessed and his family thinks he's crazy. But Jesus always has a good response for religious folks. It's interesting that this translation says that he speaks to them in riddles. Other translations might say parables. And all of us might say it's pretty confusing, the things that he says in this passage. He says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And he says it in response to, you know, they're accusing him to be Satan. He's saying, that's not how this works. Satan can't fight against Satan. And that gets kind of confusing, and we're not going to get super bogged down in that. Again, I only have three hours. But what he says is, if someone is divided against themselves, eventually it's going to fall apart. If a church is divided against itself, if a nation is divided against itself, if a person is divided against themselves. Eventually, it's going to fall apart. And then, Jesus talks about the unforgivable sin. Like, this passage is like a lot. And we always want to think that forgiveness is freely available to all of us at all times. And Jesus says, it is, it is, it is. Forgiveness is freely available to you at all times unless. Unless you look at the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit and you call it demonic. And here's why that is unforgivable. Not because God does not freely offer forgiveness to all of us, but because the mechanism by which we receive forgiveness is the Holy Spirit. 
And if you look at the Holy Spirit and you call the work of the Holy Spirit demonic, you will not be able to receive the forgiveness because you won't understand, you won't be open to it. You'll be a drowning person that someone throws one of those little rubber things to and you don't look at it, you look at it and think it's not going to help you. The lack of forgiveness that Jesus is talking about is not a lack of forgiveness on the part of God. It's a lack of our, our ability to accept it. And he says right here, when religious folks look at someone who's doing something that they don't understand, and they say, clearly, since I don't understand this, this must be the work of the devil. That's when you've gone beyond. That's when you've entered into a space where you have become your own authority on spiritual matters. And then Jesus, at the end of this, redefines what it means to belong. What Jesus says about family at the end of this is just as scandalous as everything else he says in this passage of Scripture. In the New Testament to say, like, who's my family? It's these people, not the people that I was born into. That was so scandalous in the first century. Like, your heredity, heredity, that's a word, sure, we're going to call that a word. Your family tree, your pedigree, that was enormous. That was your understanding of identity was based on who your family was. And Jesus says, actually, the people who are my real family are the ones who understand that what God is doing in me is true and real and right. The ones who understand that what God is doing in this moment through me, although it doesn't fit within your box, is actually a beautiful and healing and restorative and new creation kind of thing. Our belonging comes in that space. So throughout this passage of scripture, Jesus keeps redefining understandings, right? He keeps being himself no matter what other people might be saying about him in the moment. And that, my friends, is the experience of LGBTQ plus people. So many people, and let, let me back up a little bit here. So I came out three years ago. Like, I'm not an expert, but again, professionally gay. They pay me. It's so weird. I'm not the authority on the LGBTQ plus experience. There might be things that I say that you would find another LGBTQ plus person and, and they would say, no, that's not really my thing, you know. But for so many people that I meet and work with, in terms of their, the piece, your family says you're crazy, right? There's so many of my community that don't have a relationship with their biological family anymore. Because their family looks at them and says, this isn't right. 
this is some sort of disorder, you're confused, you can't be like this. There's so many people who face family estrangement. I think in particular in that context of Zebra Coalition, one of our member organizations that works with youth who are 13 to 24. And so many of these youth have experienced family estrangement. A decent number actually, their families are wonderful and supportive, which is amazing. But there are kids living on the street because they're gay. And their family said, you can't be this under my roof. Then religious folks calling you demonic. I remember November of 2018 receiving a text message from someone who cared about me saying, I've been praying about that a lot and I really think that Satan has confused you. that the work that you're doing, that the walk that you're walking isn't good and right, and it's not even something I disagree with. It is demonic. I know so many of my LGBTQ plus community who have experienced some sort of similarity to that, and sometimes it's a lot more than a text message. Sometimes in their church, if you say that you're attracted to who you're attracted to. The elders are gathered together. They lay hands on you, pray over you, and try to cast it out. In other words, it's like an evangelical exorcism. Receiving the message that this thing about you that you can't change is actually like a possession. That's so damaging. And yet... Just like Jesus in this moment in this scripture doesn't back down or run away, our invitation is to show up as our full selves, whether or not people accept us, whether or not people see that as good and right and whole. A lot of people will wonder, why do we have Pride Month? Because technically June is Pride Month. We spend most of our time here in Orlando on Pulse Remembrance as it should be, but June is also Pride Month. Why do we need a Pride Month? Because there are people who don't know that it's okay to be themselves until they see somebody else standing up and being themselves. For me, that's one of the things that kind of wore down my own self-conflict, is seeing other amazing people just being themselves. Not necessarily anything grandiose or extravagant, just other people being themselves. And for me, as a follower of Jesus, seeing people in faith contexts who are being themselves, and it made me think, maybe, just maybe, I don't have to choose between this and that. Maybe it is possible to be both gay and a follower of Jesus. Standing up and being ourselves helps other people know that it's okay. It's okay to be yourself. And that you can be loved as you are. And then we form a community. 
we use the term chosen family a lot because perhaps our biological family is no longer claiming us, right? So who are my mother and brother and sisters? It's the people who love me as I am. So we form a community and we keep reforming a community in response to violence, in response to rejection, in response to a new understanding of, hey, this, this person and how they understand themselves, we didn't even know that was possible. So, hey, I guess we need to pull up another seat at the table and trust that love and grace are enough and sufficient that as we welcome more and more people, we're actually made more whole. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a weird season for us here in Orlando. We are coming out of pandemic, we're all exhausted, we're all worn down, and we're heading into this week where we remember extreme tragedy. And let me tell you, as someone who is both gay and a follower of Jesus, the place that we should be able to go when we're beat down and when we're exhausted and when we've been kicked one too many times, the places that we should be able to go, which is family and faith, those are often closed doors. So I want to commend this church for the work that you are doing to become a welcoming and affirming congregation. It shouldn't be revolutionary. It should be matter of fact, right? But we've got work to do. We've got the work to do internally, and we've got the work to do in the world so that every person knows. You're not demonic. You're not crazy. You're beloved. And you're welcome. And you can just be yourself. You don't have to be anybody else. We get called all sorts of names. I have yet to be called Beelzebub. I think it's partly because people don't know how to pronounce it. But when God looks at us, God looks at us and says, you're mine, you're beloved. He calls us by name and he welcomes us home. Let's all do the same. If you would join me in prayer. Good and loving and gracious God, we come to you with so many layers, with so many things that we're carrying, God, and so many of those things we haven't even told anybody. We come to you with all of our joys and sorrows. We come to you with all of our pain and promise. We come to you with all of our hopes and all of our fears. We come to you as just us. And you come to us in Jesus as just you. We thank you for the welcome. We thank you for the love. We thank you for the acceptance. We thank you that we don't have to be anyone else. And God, our prayer is that every single person 
that every single member of the LGBTQ plus community and everyone, everyone would feel the amazing love and grace that is available to each and every one of us and would have whatever we need to be our fullest and best selves, just as you intended. We thank you and we praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.